Welcome to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I am your host, Donnie Mae. This is the monthly show focused on building conversations around the team-based model approach to athletic performance, strength and conditioning, sports medicine, sports science, mental health and wellness, and sports nutrition. Welcome back to the show. And we are super excited. We have a special guest for our next episode today. Her name is Ashley Harmon, and she joined our staff in 2016. And currently, um, her her title and role is, Ashley, would you introduce yourself, please? I am the Assistant Director of Clinical Behavioral Health. That's a lot to say right there. That's why I had you do that. So, Ashley, we're so excited that you took time out of your day to, to come and be on this podcast and, and share your, your wealth of information. Glad to be here. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Um, so we're going to dive right into the episode today. And Ashley, as we kind of get into this, again, this is the Team Behind the Team podcast. And the, the goal and focus of what we're going to try to do is just peel back the curtain on all the different people that surround the team, right, that surrounds every student athlete and every uh, team that's performing on any field at any occasion at, at Texas. Um, this is the trend that we're seeing in sports across the whole world. And this is where it's at. This is the current um, um, environment that we're in. And really you're seeing that the best teams behind the team help those big teams win championships. And so that's kind of the big idea here. So could you just introduce yourself to everybody? Give us a little history of where you're from, uh, how you got into what you're doing and, and so forth and so on. Yeah. Um, so again, my name is Ashley, and I am originally from a very small town in Texas called Comanche. Um, but I moved to Austin in 2008 for school, and I got both my bachelor's and master's at the University of Texas in the School of Social Work. Um, so I'm definitely an alumni. Um, from there, I did a lot of work in the domestic violence sexual assault realm. Um, I worked at a crisis center for about four years, and I have background in medical social work, um, some foster care stuff. Um, so, so I'm pretty well-rounded when it comes to just different mental health mm -hmm. issues that could come up. Um, I actually just kind of like fell into this role by accident, thankfully. Um, I just got my licensed clinical social worker. Um, it's the best, it's the biggest license you can get as a social worker, so okay. which opens up more job opportunities. And I went on to the CMHC job website to see if they were hiring, essentially. And instead, what I found was Athletics had a posting that um, they wanted a social worker to come in and really help build an adequate mm -hmm. mental health program for the athletes. That's and cool. I was like, that's super cool and exciting. Um, so here I am, and I absolutely love it. I've been here for about three and a half years now. That's Yeah, so I've heard you tell that a little bit before. You, you just made a question pop into my head. What... Or how do you feel like that that job before athlete? How did that prepare you for the role you're in now? Because it, I mean, it just seems like you're doing a, a tremendous job here. So how did that prepare you for this time? Well, one thing you know I always keep in mind is that athletes are people. Yeah. And people uh, have. Yeah, we need to remind everybody of that. Don't exactly. We? <laughs> you know. People have problems, and so just because the clients I worked with before weren't collegiate athletes, they still struggled with the same things, you know, relationship, family issues, depression, anxiety, trauma. Um, and so I was able to build that 
just working with quote unquote people. And so when I came to athletics at first, um, I was nervous because I was like, I don't know how to work with athletes. I wasn't a college athlete. What is this going to be like? And then I reminded myself like, okay, wait, like they're just another person coming to you with problems Mm -hmm. um, that you can work with. That's pretty cool. So now in regards to where you're at now, what kind of services do you provide for all of our student athletes at Texas? Give us a a little snapshot of that. So we have um, four contracted therapists, and then we have two full-time therapists, including myself, and then we have two contracted psychiatrists. So we provide therapy um, and psychiatry appointments weekly. We average about 130 appointments a week, so it's definitely like utilized, and it's grown since I've been here. Um, So we do any sort of behavioral health a student can request to come in. Like they are, there's nothing that they have to, there's no assessment. Um, they can come just if they want to. All they have to do is ask to come in and then they can be seen as much as they want for free. All of our services are free. Um, you know, their medication, we help them get their medication if they need that through psychiatry. Um, and then we also do things like education and team building. And, you know, sometimes I have had a team that's like, hey, we want to learn more about mindfulness. Can you come talk to our team about it? So mm-hmm. it's the individual stuff but we also try to do a lot of team stuff too to kind of bring them closer yeah that's i did not uh i didn't realize we had that that big of a team i knew we had a lot of people that's that's impressive very big yeah it's a lot of needs though a lot of big needs um so talking about the performance model again the performance team if you had to describe and define that in your own terms how would you um how would you describe that with your own words in, in the performance team model at texas um well, team, that is the biggest word. I do think that we do a phenomenal job of working as a team. It's really easy to get into your own silos yeah, um, true, and just focus on what you're doing. But the way that the structure is set up at Texas, you know, we really take the time to interact with each other, whether it's myself and the nutritionist or the you know, physicians, um, strength coaches. So it is really nice because one, it allows us to do wraparound services for the athletes. Um, and we can make sure that we're taking care of them in all aspects. You know, one Mm -hmm. aspect may be really good, but if we're not talking to other people, we don't know if there's other work that needs to be done. So I think it allows us to set the athlete up for bigger success. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, that's, that's a good point. Uh, you talk about the relationships and the cool thing too, about, um, everybody listening is that we're pretty close in proximity. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a big piece. I mean, I can't imagine having to like for everything you needed, you had to drive and go through traffic and get in the schedule that and get back for practice or for academics or stuff like that. So it really helps. I know, uh, cause that can even make you more stressed, right? When you oh, have to yeah. just scramble around and, and you don't have everything there close in proximity. So I think that helps that you guys are just right upstairs from us really close and athletes can be, can be there as quick too. So, mm-hmm. And it um, normalizes us because we're by everybody else. We're by yeah. the sports scientists and the dietitians. We're just another entity within athletics. We're not like this scary building over here um, yeah, away from everyone it else. It's, yeah, it's, and it's normal. I mean, people mm-hmm. have needs. So, um, so those are definitely uh, some of the benefits too. I think we kind of talked about there uh, that makes it easy. Um, next kind of uh, let's kind of change gears a little bit and get into more of your kind of specific expertise for the listeners. Talk a little bit about mental health today. 
What is exactly, what does that mean to have good mental health? What does that mean? I mean, to put it simply, it really is realizing your own potential and having healthy coping mechanisms to be able to bounce back from stress and everyday, um, you know, life events that happen. You know, Mm -hmm. got some resiliency in there because we all are going to experience stress. Life is a roller coaster. It's a lot of things that we can't predict. So it is our ability to be able to kind of go with the flow and take care of ourselves through that process. And mental health is different than mental illness. And a lot of times people will combine the two, but mental health is an umbrella. And within under the umbrella, there are a lot of different entities such as mental illness. And that's mm-hmm. when you actually have like a diagnosis um, from the DSM. But otherwise, we all have mental health. Health, and we all need to work on mental wellness. Yeah, no, that's that's powerful what you just said, because I've heard you guys talk about that before. And I would have never, until I heard you say that, even as a strength coach, I would have never known that there's a delineation, a difference. So that's really cool. Um, what's the difference between mental health and wellness? What's the difference there? Kind of same thing? Yeah, they're pretty much the same thing. Um, It's like mental health and wellness. They go together because it really is how well are you taking care of your mental health in order to prevent things like, you know, higher stress levels and depression and those sorts of things. Yeah, that makes sense. So talking about that same issue, go kind of talk about um, from your time and experience just in college athletics right now. What's kind of the landscape that you've been seeing out there, some of the common themes or issues that you're seeing that they're just cropping up just from, you know, normal life? Well, like I said earlier, you know, student athletes are people and they have the same issues as non-student athletes. Uh, They are in college, so they have the same transitional issues that college students face. Um, And, you know, it's important to note that the millennials right now, they're essentially the generation of stress. You know, they're under more pressure. Um, It's so true, isn't it? So true. And and it's so different than all the other generations. And I think a lot of times we forget that. And so you bundle that together. And then, obviously, if you're in athletics, you know, your sport serves as a protective factor and a risk factor. So protective factor is something that really helps you eliminate mental health stressors. So it can be good because you can build support. You have a team. It can build like self-esteem. Um, it can make you successful, those sorts of things. But then it also is a risk factor at the same time because there's pressure and demands and time management. And a lot of times if athletes are only focused on their sport and their sport's not going well, then everything kind of crashes below that. So it's normal everyday things, plus a little bit of sport mixed in there, pressures from coaches, parents, pressures from themselves. Um, I will say probably the most common issues, which really is kind of the same in the general population, is depression, anxiety, um, sleep issues, some disordered eating stuff. That's a little bit higher in the athletic community and then substance use. Yeah, that's uh, the anxiety is intriguing to me, not in a not in a bad way. It's just I think, as a coach, and I'm also a parent of, of four daughters. You even see it in in middle school and high school. Um, these young ladies, guys, just having panic attacks. And, and and when you actually sit down and ask them what you know, what were you panicking? At, what was the anxiety about? It's sometimes it's something so small and insignificant. Mm-hmm. And it just makes it. It's left me kind of scratching my head on like. Oh, you know, growing up, I don't recall dealing with this, you know, as much as we are today. And so there's, like you you nailed it on 
on the head when you said this is a generation of stress. Yes. And uh, it is because, and I heard a sports scientist talk about it this one time too was that the demands that we're putting on our athletes, they like pulling on them, is so great. Everybody wants their time, mm-hmm. you know, with media, with whether it's you know going to practice or doing individual sessions. And then, you know, whether they have a, trying to have a social life, they've got all this stuff, demands put on them. And then we just keep trying to put more on them. But they only, he, he called it like this, they only have so much budget. Yes. And so much margin that you can push into. Because if you tap into, and I would imagine in, in, in different athletes and people um, that they only have certain margins of reserve. Yes. That you can push into. And then how many of them probably overextend themselves, you know? Most of them. Yeah. Most and of it's just do. A, and, and, and it's like, I, I, I know I've talked to you about, I was reading a book, uh, when, when Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, but he talked about in that book how, you know, back during times where we didn't have TV and media and, you know, your biggest stressor would be like if a lion came after you mm-hmm. and you, you know, your, your, your nervous system would fire up, hormones, bad stressors would hit, right? You take off running to save your life. You lived and you came back down and relaxed. Today, most of our student athletes live in that kind of heightened state. And then that's, you know, that's probably, I'm sure that's where a lot of the problems arise from. So it's the idea of chronic stress. You know, we've got good stress. We've got bad stress. We've got acute stress and we have chronic stress. And unfortunately, most of our athletes are functioning in the chronic stress area. Yeah, that's good. Um, if you were to give just some traits to look for that work with either middle school, high school, college, professional, what are some kind of flags that you would say, hey, keep an eye on this uh, with your athletes? If you see these behaviors or these little things uh, cropping up, what would you say some of those would be? Yeah, so... One thing to keep in mind is that we all will experience some sort of depressive symptoms, anxiety symptoms on a spectrum, right? Because we all have feelings and emotions and go through events. What's really important to look at is the frequency and like the intensity of it. So frequency and intensity. The biggest thing you can do is get to know your students, get to know your athletes because change in behaviors are everything. You know, if you have an athlete um, that usually takes care of their hygiene really well, and then all of a sudden it's been a week or a couple days of them not, that may be something you want to check in about because even something physical like that can be um, an indicator that maybe some depression's going on or an What some people don't think about is that if you have a student who the pattern is depression Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden one day they come to school and they are the happiest person and everything's great, that's also an indicator. A swing. It's a swing. Yeah. Um, So even if it's like, oh, wow, great, they're in a great mood, it could actually not be so great. Um, So you really need to just pay attention to patterns and both physical, emotional, mental passing comments. You know, sometimes... Students, people, they'll just drop a little passing comment here and there and laugh it off, but sometimes they're just wanting someone to listen. So the more that you get to know them, then you can really understand their patterns and when things are different. Yeah, I love that you said that because I I believe, I, I took completely agree with you. I think just like our athletes have pressures and demands on them, so do our coaches. 100%. And I think what I, what I see oftentimes, coaches – have especially with media 
stuff and whether it's fundraising or working with donors and fans, they're getting they're going to have to protect and guard their time and schedule to make sure they're spending time with their athletes. Yes. And that's where I see when, when coaches start struggling, they don't have that connection with their athletes. They don't understand why they're behaving the way they're. They still don't have enough. They don't have. It's hard to have compassion, right? Right. If you don't have context of like, okay, you know, I know even in my own career, I've had times where I've had conflict with athletes. Once I got to know their story a little better and get to know them, then I had more understanding, had a lot more patience and grace, you know. Mm-hmm. And when you get to know them, you you can learn how best to communicate to them, which will go a long way, not just for them, but for you as a coach. Yeah. One analogy I love. Uh, Ashley was, it's kind of like working with kids is like bowling. If you've ever been bowling, the further away you get from the pins, the harder it is to to have an impact. Oh, yeah. Right. But if you if you think about bowling, you scoot down on that lane on those pins and bowl, you'll, you'll probably hit a strike every time. But how many times the ball goes in the gutter, the further away you get from them. So that's the kind of like a relationship with our kids, the closer in our relationships uh, as professionals and coaches, then the bigger impact we can have in our kids' lives on and Absolutely. off the field. So that's cool. Let's talk a little bit about one of my favorite topics that again intrigues me is just social media today and mental mental health. Now, I got to tell you, I've read some, I read a lot of books and have they've done these studies recently on. Is it true when kids they look at social media? And then they get off. Are they really are everybody that sad or some people? Does it not bother them that much? Give us the give us your opinion and give us some truth today. I mean, social media can create a lot of comparisons. Yeah. Um, it's not always great for someone's mental health. Now, it <laughs> can be right. It, you know, we can't yeah. say social media is bad for everybody, but it can actually be really detrimental because a lot of people will go on Instagram and look at all these pictures and be like, oh my gosh, this person's living such a great life. Like, I'm not pretty enough or I'm not skinny enough or like I can't travel like that. And that's just kind of what's going through their head. It's always a comparison because it's this idea of perfectionism, um, specifically within this generation. And not only do you have the comparison, but you also have the lack of connection. So now you get to talk to people through a screen, which completely takes away human connection, um, Mm -hmm. but that's what they're used to. So that can also create mental health problems because as people, we thrive off human connection. Mm -hmm. We have to have it. Um, So it absolutely can be a detriment. And then if you specifically look at athletes, the point that you brought up with the coaches and and kind of the media, I mean, you're spot on. Like these athletes and coaches, I couldn't imagine being able to go online and read thousands of comments. And some of them are positive, but some of them just are belittling and they really just attack you as a person. Um, so it does also create another space to just have um, kind of more negativity and hatred thrown your way, like cyberbullying. That's a real thing. It is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know I've had, even recently this year, um, working, being around high school, middle school kids, college kids, comments like, I can't believe they unfollowed me. I'm like, I'm like, I ask, how, how do you even know they unfollowed you? I, I'm like, I don't even know. <laughs> you know, or or they'll they'll have, you know, there'll be a group of them that'll have a little get together and they didn't invite me because they posted on social media and it and it hurts, you know, and you don't realize that, you know, that me growing up, I mean, if, if you didn't invite me to your birthday party, I never knew. 
because there was no trace of it. Exactly. You know, I might hear about it like a year later, but now you can see all that stuff. And that has, that has to weigh on these kids on their mental health a little bit, you know. It does. And I mean, yeah, they get their worth from follows and likes. And, you know, sometimes they may post a picture and it doesn't get enough likes. And so their whole day is ruined. I mean, those are, those are real things. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's definitely a, a challenging uh, day we live in. Um, switch gears again here. And talk a little bit about injuries. And this this is, um, you know, I've definitely dealt with injury personally as an athlete uh, when I was in college. and can be very devastating. I know I've, I've shared with you before, I went through a, a really dark season of my career as a senior uh, when I blew my ACL. And I, I mean, I can still, even as we're talking now, I can remember being isolated. Um, so I was isolated. I knew I was done playing sports, had all these different layers I was dealing with, which at the time I just dealt with them by just hiding, mm-hmm. you know, just running, you know, failed some classes, all that. So I know how it impacted me personally. So I see that in athletes today. Would you just take a moment and talk about injuries and kind of how that impacts them mentally? Yes, injuries. Um, it- they're not talked about enough. I yeah. think a lot of times they go under the radar because it's like, oh, well, the athlete's injured, moving on, you know, got to go to the game. But injury absolutely affects their mental health because it takes away their sport. It takes away um, their, like, social team aspect because most of the time, like, they're in treatment versus at practice, for example. Um, and so when you isolate them, Mm -hmm. and take away their sport. And on top of that, athletes are so in tune with their bodies. Their bodies are everything to them. They take care of them. Um, It's how they are successful. And so when their body breaks down, that's hard because there's, you you can't switch out your body. Like that's just what it is. So it can create a lot of depression. Um, And then, so they're dealing with that. And then there's just the sport aspect of what if I lose my starting spot? Because I'm hurt, second string is going to come in, and what if they do fantastic? And then my career is really over. Um, so it's really important that you take time to connect with them, see what they need, you know, engage them with the team when you can. Mm-hmm. You know, some coaches, I mean, in their mind, they're like, well, you know, it's fine. Let them go get treatment and we'll do this. And they're getting back to being better. But if they yeah. don't have that social emotional connection, that really stunts their physical healing as well. Yeah, I know it's, you know, coaches, because just even my own experience when I was in college, it's like if they don't, if, if you're not able to perform, they don't need you right now. Right. When you're ready again, come on back, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you hit a good point there on, and I never thought of that like that, that their bodies, it's it's everything to them during this time, you know, and that how important is it for them to, to not only stay engaged, but stay involved with a team? I mean... Are there any, would you say, any kind of suggestions or advice you could give coaches or people listening out there today of how could you help those athletes stay healthy and just keep them, keep them encouraged? Yeah. I mean, look for other ways they can participate in practice. Yeah. They may not be able to physically go out and run, but can they help you take times or coach the other athletes or be an encourager. You know, the more that you can just keep them involved to let them know that they're still important and cared about and a part of the team, yeah. then the better they will feel. And then 
it also helps them come back from injury easier because we also see a lot of fear related to return to sport. Be, you know, a lot of anxiety related to that of can I even trust my body anymore? And so if you can keep their healing period more positive, then they're going to come back also more positive. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the mental state is such a critical piece of even healing itself, right? Mm-hmm. And the body producing the right hormones and the right, um, um, just the right feelings, even mood. You know, I think sometimes... I've been studying a lot on mood and just how it impacts how you feel and, and how well you recover. Yes. You know, if you're in a good mood or bad mood, you know, consistently. So it's a, it's a big predictor of, of different things. So. Yeah. I mean, if you're struggling with high depression, there is a chance that you will heal slower because that's, that's everything is connected. Yeah. So such a big part. Um, talk a little bit further to go. So we talked about injury. And at some point, every athlete stops playing and their identity as a person is so wrapped up in either their position or the, the, the team or sport they're a part of. They've been doing it for, you know, a lot of them probably been doing it for 10, 12, 15 years. And all of a sudden the train stops completely. You know, I kind of mentioned I, I struggle with that. I know I've seen it in my career, my 20 plus years of athletes, they don't know what to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then I've seen some athletes that, make that transition. It's a little rocky, but they make it eventually. I've seen some athletes that just be tragedy. They just cannot deal with, now what I do? I was celebrated. I was pretty much worshipped. People looked up to me. Now I'm not playing a sport. Where's my self-worth and value now? Could you kind of speak into that a little bit? Yeah. So the athlete identity is a very real thing. And um, a lot of times, It's called uh, identity foreclosure. And essentially what that means is that all their eggs are in one basket. You know, their identity is wrapped within their sport. And so Mm -hmm. ending, whether it's because you're retired or because you have an injury, like there's a transitional period where if you haven't already built in who you are outside of your sport, then when your sport is taken away, you have no idea who you are. Like, what is my worth? If your worth is wrapped around in, let's say, football, and you're done with football, you're going to feel like you're not worth anything anymore because mm-hmm. that's solely where it was. And so there definitely should be more um, attention around how are we helping these athletes transition out of their sport, whether it's collegiate or pro, um, because it will be rocky. You know, obviously there are some athletes where their sport is the main reason for their mental health. So when they're done with it, they're actually excited about it and ready to move on. But those athletes have already built other parts of their identity within themselves. Um, so we've got to do a better job of figuring mm-hmm. out who are you outside of your sport. Yeah, I remember. That's a good point. I remember it's been years now, but there was a pro player I knew uh, pretty well. And what he would do in the off season, instead of just working out all the time and just trying to get ready for the next season, he would go work at a car dealership. That's fantastic. Because he already had the vision for, hey, I know this is going to be done one day. I'm not going to play football my whole life. So I'm going to start working on what will I do once I'm retired and once I'm done completely. And so I think, I feel like we need, you know, there needs to be, and I know there are some schools doing that, but just kind of providing, whether it's avenues or even just teaching, equipping them, like, what do you do when football is done? You know, because I know when I've, we had nothing like that. It's like, when you're done, like, okay, you're good. You can 
go find a job. And, Just um, get out of here. <laughs> yep. And so, yeah, it's a different today, you know, because like you said, they just wrapped their whole, their whole world's wrapped up in who they are as, a, as, a, as an athlete. And that's why their mental health can fluctuate so much, because if they're only viewing success within their sport, if they're not performing well, then down goes their mental health versus if they have other parts of themselves that they appreciate, then they can say, okay, this one part of my life maybe isn't going the way I want to, Mm -hmm. but I have all these other things going on too. So it kind of keeps them balanced. Yeah, that's good. I think a lot of athletes struggle today to connect whether they're hurt or whether they're done playing or they, you know, they have to just be done that they have such a powerful platform of where they're at. And they just don't, I don't know if they don't realize it or understand the weightiness that they have to build the next step of their career life, you know, to kind of, that it's all connected. It's not two separate things, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but that goes back. I've always heard people say it's it's not, um, how's it go? Who you are is not the same as what you do. Yes. Right. Your who's different from your do. And who I am is I'm a person of, you know, all our athletes are people of value and ex- extreme worth. And they got so much potential, like you said earlier. But they are, they do play sports too. But that's not who they are. So they get those two kind of mixed up. And I think that's why they have trouble with it. Yes. I mean, so. absolutely. And sometimes within the sport realm, you know, like I've had conversations with athletes around, okay, you have to retire from your sport because of injury. You can still accomplish some of the things you wanted to accomplish, but sometimes it's, well, maybe I'm not going to be as credible because Mm -hmm. I'm not out there playing. And so it's also trying to shift that perspective for them as well, that there's a lot of athletes out there that also need motivational speakers around injury Mm -hmm. and how to keep going. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. They definitely, yeah, you can almost take the, um, I always try to tell athletes that are struggling with that. Like, hey, you're you're not gonna waste this. You're still gonna, you're gonna use this to help others if you view it that way. So you'll be a you'll be a an encouragement to others. So yes, um, got a little different question for you here uh, as we kind of transition. Uh, the very nature and environment of athletics comes with expectations and pressure to win. Yes, and it's getting higher. <laughs> it's not going away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what suggestions or advice would you give to coaches or even just professionals? How do you balance putting pressure on athletes to perform and balance that with keeping them in a good mental state? Talk about that a little bit. I mean, it's definitely a great question. Um, and it's definitely something that always has to be worked on. You know, there's definitely not a set formula of this is how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing, like when I talk to coaches, I'm like, you're people too. You also have things going on outside of this. And then you're also under a lot of pressure. And so are you being aware of how your personal stress is affecting your athletes? Because sometimes coaches aren't aware, just like everyday people, and they can project that stress onto their athletes, um, which makes their athletes more stressed. And so one, just being aware of like, What are you stressed about? Is it coming across your athletes? And then two, going back previous to what we talked about, if you take the time to get to know your athletes, then they get both. They get the pressure to win because that's what sports is about. But they Mm -hmm. also get the side of like, this person cares about me. I enjoy my team. And so it does help balance that out versus if you look at athletes that have terrible relationships with their coaches and they're not winning, 
it's a recipe for disaster um, because they're mm-hmm. like, what am I doing this for? I don't get along with my coach, you know, so on and such. So it helps, it balances itself out when you can really connect to them just on a person to person level. And, you know, if you look at the research, it shows that athletes generally do not favor like aggressive um coaching styles they want a supportive approach now that doesn't mean that you don't hold them accountable yeah. <laughs> um and all of those st- yeah. stuff right like that's still part of the sport but how are you doing that um and the good thing is when you get to know your athletes you get to know what motivates them the best um some athletes they want to be motivated by being yelled at and they're like yes coach yell at me like this helps me you have others that are like i'm not going to listen to you if you start yelling at me and then mm-hmm. they just shut down um, so getting to know them is everything. And also the biggest thing is giving them permission to seek help if they need it. There yeah. is too much of rub some dirt on it, um, mentally tough, but mentally tough and mental health are two very different things. That's a good point. Yeah. And so coaches don't understand that a lot. They really don't. They don't. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, you have depression. You're not being mentally tough. And again, those things aren't connected. Um, so really understanding that and letting the athletes know, like, Hey, you're struggling. It's okay to struggle. Like, here's resources. Here, mm-hmm. here's how you can get some help. Yeah, I want to back up just one second. You said something earlier that really kind of got my curiosity going and, and interest. I love one thing. I love doing in any sport is just watching the coach on the bench or sideline. And you said something there. I think uh, just a second ago about the stress that coaches are under. Yes. They don't realize how they project. That stress on, and a lot of times our athletes get stressed because the head coach is stressed. Yes. And I, I remember reading about, and, and it was a it was a leadership book on just managing people, and they said one of the number one predictors of morale or stress in a in a, in a building is the boss's mood. Yes. <laughs> and it's it's same it's same thing at in home. All environments. Whether it's mom or dad at home. If the mood is good, the house has got a good vibes to it, right? If not, then it's it's pretty tough in there, you know? So talk about just, I mean, maybe speak to some coaches out there about just being aware of, you know, being, you know, they got to win, right? Yeah. But how do you, you know, how do you project that in, in a different way? How, do you, how can you do that? I mean, one, you can be open and have conversations with your athletes. Yeah. So I think... A lot of times, it's not acceptable for coaches to be vulnerable either. Um, it's not acceptable to disclose certain things. Exactly. Yeah. They, they're they the face of the program. Um, but they could get so far with athletes if they're just like, yeah, I'm going through it too. Like, I'm stressed. Like, I get it. Because you're being vulnerable with them, which allows them to be vulnerable with you. And it doesn't mean you have to go through your whole life story, but just those small connections. And like... How is your behavior? If you notice that, man, I feel like I've been screaming at my athletes a lot more. Can I take a second and think about, do I have any higher stressors lately? And of course, just because I'm a therapist, um, I think all coaches, because all people benefit from therapy. I mean, anybody can go to therapy, whether you have stuff going on or not. It's just a way, it gives you a safe space to just be you because you know, if you're a coach at a D1 university, people know your name. You're also all over the TV screens. So you're also wearing an armor of a coach. Yeah. But if you can find a safe space, such as a therapy office, you can take that off and you can just be you, not the coach at UT. Mm-hmm. I've seen so many times um, 
just in my career where a head coach realizes they're putting too much pressure on their athletes because they're feeling it. Mm-hmm. And they make an adjustment, just a slight tweak, and make practice a little more lighthearted and more fun. Yes. And now all of a sudden, our athletes are performing better. Because I don't know, there's not many people, not myself, you, I'm sure, if people, what if somebody came to your work and was just breathing down your neck to do your job? Oh, I'd be miserable. Yeah, you're going to be all tight and wound up. You won't do a great job. You'll still get your job done. Because that's what you do, right? But you just, the level of performance would drop significantly over time, too. So so I think, you know, coaches' body language, the tone they use with their athletes, the words, the verbal words they use, got to be so careful with that. And be aware. I think awareness is kind of what I hear you saying, too. Just be really aware of that, you know. Starts with awareness. But, like, implementing fun is so important because a lot of athletes started their sport because it was fun. So the more that they can connect to the idea that they're doing this because they enjoy it, mm-hmm. you're going to win because they're going to love what they're doing, you know, versus, you know, being out there and everybody's monotone and there's no energy. You know, you have to implement enjoyable things to make them motivated to want to keep pushing. Yeah. And the other thing, too, this is a great this is a great topic. We're on. Uh, we're talking about pressure and this is a whole nother probably episode, but. Pressure from parents today oh. is insane yes. because you're getting it from the head coach, right? And then at home, not I'm not, you know, again, I'm not throwing rocks at, at parents. I'm a parent. I have been guilty, first and foremost, of putting pressure on my kids to do well in sport and school. But I think just knowing, you know, under, like you said earlier, getting to know your kids and understanding how much pressure they're feeling. Maybe they're feeling more pressure from mom or dad. Or from an uncle or somebody, yeah. And then you're putting maybe you need to back off a little bit, and be more supportive, and they'll do better on the on the field. So I think that's important too. Hundred percent. I mean, that's why it goes back to people, right? We all we are all part of different systems, mm-hmm. and all different systems create different stressors. That's true. Um, good stuff, Ashley. We're kind of getting close to the end here. Just a couple things. Anything come to mind for the future of mental health? Any innovations? Any Trends you see down the road coming here in the future for sports and athletes, anything? Absolutely. I mean, mental health in sports right now is a huge topic. And even just in three and a half years, like it has grown so much. And I, you know, believe that it's going to continue to grow because it's a huge topic. More pros are coming out about it. More universities are starting to implement programs. The Mm -hmm. NCAA is a part of it. So once you start having these big organizations being a part of it and implementing policy change, um, then it's just going to continue to grow. So I think it's, who knows what it's going to look like in even a year. That's good. What about uh, for the listeners, any journals, books, uh, podcasts, conferences, any, any resources for individuals out there that just want to get more education, more knowledge, and equipping on how to do kind of what you're talking about, any anything, any suggestions? Yeah, so if you go to just the NCAA website, they have so many great resources around like mind, body, and sport. Um, they have, you know, data and research, and they mm-hmm. talk about their initiatives. So for that specific area, um, I definitely recommend you check it out. And then just from a... More of a mental wellness standpoint, my favorite book to always recommend is Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Um, yeah, it's a good book, yeah. I recommend it to athletes, coaches, 
myself, you, we all can benefit from it because it it really targets the idea of perfectionism and vulnerability mm-hmm. and how can we decrease stress while still being successful. Yeah, that, that's good. That is a good read. It's, I might have to go back and reread that one. It's an amazing that, book. I've heard you talk about it a lot in your, in your uh, presentations. Well, if the listeners out there, anybody wants to reach out and connect with you and just learn more about you or ask you questions, uh, what's the best way people could reach out to you, Ashley? So you can either email me at Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y dot Harmon, H-A-R-M-O-N at athletics.utexas.edu um, or my office phone is 512-232-6739. Well, thank you so much. Uh, today's show has been awesome and thank you so much for taking time out to to teach us and hopefully uh, our listeners out there will be more aware that there are some real issues out there and that you've given them some good things to think about and be aware of themselves. So Yeah, thanks for having me. It was great. Yeah, it, was a, it was a pleasure. We'll catch you guys uh, on the next episode on the Team Behind the Team podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Team Behind the Team podcast. For future episodes, go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. We definitely want to keep having great guests on the show and great content. So if you have a moment, please go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and let us know how we're doing. I'm Donnie Mabe, and thanks so much for tuning in.